You now are listening to the audio podcast of Prisoners of Hope, the antidote to what ails your heart. I'm your host, Dr. Deborah Witsis. So come on in, pull up a chair, and open up your mind as you get ready to receive the download that hope will bring. Well, good day. This is Dr. D. And welcome to the second part of a two-part series on the art of perseverance. And today we're going to be looking at pitfalls that you can face along the way when you're trying to build those perseverance muscles and strategies that you can use when you're trying to strengthen your resolve when it comes to perseverance. So stay tuned, buckle your seatbelt, and let's get started. First, let's talk about the pitfalls. What happens when you're pushing a ton of weight uphill and there seems to be no rest, (laughs) no place where you can lay your weary head? Let's talk about some of the pitfalls. And when we talk about them, Um, They basically fall in two categories. Your thinking, you know, those seven inches of very expensive real estate in your head, and also your heart. Those are the two categories that pitfalls can come from. These are pitfalls to you strengthening your reserve. These are pitfall thinking. The first I want to talk about is the fact that A lot of us think, well, that's good enough. Do you know the enemy of best is good? I'll say that again. Like, what did she say? The enemy of your best life is your good life. Most people, they settle for the good life and they miss the best life. Pitfall thinking that can hold you up from achieving your goals. John 10.10 says, basically, I didn't die for good enough. I died so that you will have life and you'll have it more abundantly. So Jesus did not die for a good enough life. He died for the best life. A lot of times our problems start in our heart and failure is a heart problem. A lot of times we fail because we haven't decided to not fail. Does that make sense? Most people fail because they have a undecided heart. They have an undecided heart. You know, I think of the movie Star Wars, and I guess uh, Luke Skywalker was being trained by uh, uh, Yoda, and Yoda was saying, not baby Yoda, the other Yoda, and Yoda was saying, you can't pick it up because you try, you try, you try, you try, and Luke was like, what, what? He goes, I'm trying. He goes, you try not, do, pick it up. You're trying, that's why you can't. You, know, you guys recognize what I'm saying when somebody says to you, you go, oh, are you going to go come to my party tonight? And they'll say, well, I'll try. I'll try to come to your party. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means you're not going to see them at your party. You know, when you tell yourself, well, I'm going to try, you, you know, you're giving yourself an exit door. There's no try. There's do or do not. Remove that word try. 
Another pitfall thinking is that why am I having trouble? I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And why am I having trouble? Well, Paul, Peter, all the disciples, Timothy, (laughs) all of them could have asked that question. There was trouble wherever they go. I remember when I was new to the mentor, mentee, um, phenomenon. I had a mentor, an older woman, and I was, I guess I was, actually I was bitching and moaning. I'm like, oh, I don't know when. I can't wait till I'm free of of adversity, (laughs) free of exams. I think I was in graduate school and I was complaining about all the tests I had and the papers I had to write. And I can't wait, you know, till I'm free. I'm free. And she said, there'll never be a free, free of adversity because this is a fallen world. There always will be challenges. And guess what? Adversity and challenges gives God a chance to show out (laughs) because it, it was a Red Sea experience, which means you had nowhere to go. It was a miracle. My pastor likes to say, new level, new devil. The higher you go, the more challenges you're going to have. You're going to have new challenges, right? You know, it's it's actually very crazy. People, oh, I want a big house. I want a big house. I want a lot of land. But again, oh, it's so much work. (laughs) That's what came with the new level, darling. You know, the higher you go, the windier it gets because there's no buildings to block the wind. When I moved to Chicago, I had to learn that. I got an apartment right on the Lakeshore Drive. It was um, Sheridan Avenue, which is Lakeshore Drive. When it turns to Norfolk, it changed its name. And um, there was no building across from the lake, and it was cheaper. <laughs> and being a West Coast girl, <laughs> I found out why in the winter. <laughs> it colder than heck. You, 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 wanted, you were concerned about wind tunnels. It gets windy. So when you're out in the wind, you've you've never passed this way before. It's a whole new territory. Dr. Seuss has said the going look goiner, the trees look treer. <laughs> People are like, oh, that doesn't rhyme. It's Dr. Seuss, you know. It was. It's a whole new path for you. So why don't you invite God to help you to begin with, right? And that gets us into strategies for strengthening your resolve. We talked about pitfalls in your heart, in your mind. Now we're going to talk about strategies that will help you have that perseverance that you so covet in other people. The first strategy and the most important, I kind of handed toward it, is that you want to submit your plan to God repeatedly. Repeatedly. I put repeatedly in there because I would submit my plan to God, lay it on the altar, and then pick it back up. Submit my plan to God, lay it on the altar, and pick it up back up. Then I would submit my plan, truly lay it on the altar, get relief, and pick it back up. You see, it's getting, <laughs> process is getting longer and longer. And I'm like, when when is this going to change? You <laughs> feel like, Paul, why do I do this wretched thing, my wretched soul? Why do I do the things I hate and avoid the things I love? But you know what? Be patient with yourself. Because I notice my picking it back up is getting shorter and shorter. One day I hope to lay it on the altar and leave it there. But submit your plans to God. Matter of fact, if you look at Proverbs 6, we're going to look at 6, and then I'm going to skip to 9. If you look at Proverbs 6, I'm sorry, 6, 3, and then I'll skip to 9. 
If you look at Proverbs 6, 3, it says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Another version says, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. I really like that. You're going to establish your plans if you commit it first to God. This final transaction, uh, transa- translation, transaction, translation says, put God in charge of your work. Then what you plan will take place. I like that. Put God in charge of what you're doing. So commit your plan to God. If we look at Proverbs 9, skipping to 9, it says, we make our plans, but God determines our steps. Isn't that good? <laughs> we might make plans, but God has a purpose and he's determined where we were going to go. That's good news and good news to me, because that means that if I get off path and if I'm within his purpose, he'll he'll correct me. He'll put me back on the path. This is absolutely wonderful. I really like that. Another translation of 6-9 says, The heart of man plans his ways, but God establishes path. I really, I really like that. A non-biblical saying goes, what does it go? Man plans, God laughs. <laughs> I guess you could translate um, Proverbs 6-9 into that. But the first strategy in strengthening your resolve is to first submit your plan to God and do it over and over again. I'd like to tell a story about a traveling wife, a rich man, and a telegram. There once was a very wealthy man who lived in Boston, and his wife was traveling abroad. She had taken a ship to Spain, and while in Spain, she saw this beautiful painting that was quite pricey. So she had telegrammed her husband and asked whether he would be okay with her purchasing it. She convinced him. She did a good selling job, she thought. She convinced him how beautiful it would look in his smoking room or in the foyer where he he greeted his business partners. So the telegram came back to her. She was happy to receive a telegram back the next evening. And it said, no price too high. And she was like, wow, he really loves me. There is no price too high. I can purchase this painting, and it's cool with him. So about four months later, remember I told you it was years ago, so it took her four months to get back home. She was like, oh, I want to show you the gorgeous painting that I bought in Spain. You know, the one you said it was okay? And he goes, I'm confused. No, I told you uh, price was too high. And she brings out the telegram and she shows it to him. It says, it reads, no price too high. Well, evidently something happened in the in the translation or the transaction between him and his secretary. His secretary had left out the comma. The telegram should have read, no price too high. So which is it in your life, in your personal life? Is it no price too high or no price too high? Those are the same words. But the second strategy, you got to watch 
where you place the commas in your life. You have to be careful. I always, I, I like to say, you got to watch where you put the buts, but in your life. Okay. Be careful where you put the commas in your life. The third strategy in strengthening your resolve is to make sure your walk matches your talk and refuse to give up until your walk and your talk matches. And what 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 do I mean by that? Your walk is actually a verb. It means you you got to do something. My pastor says, "Do the thing that you would do if you knew God was for you and not against you." So you got to actually do something. So what you're doing got to match what you're talking, what you're saying. Now, it, this is uh, psychologically a, a point that I want to point out, a point I want to point out. Let me check that out. <laughs> if what you're doing does not match your internal talk, what will happen is that your internal talk will match your actual walk. Does that make sense? You got to be careful. You want to make sure that they match. Because if they don't, you're going to self-sabotage. <laughs> Your self-talk is going to talk you out of everything that you wanted, everything God wanted, the joyful life that he wanted for you. I have another story. There's a story about two frogs. And these frogs lived in the swamp. That's nothing unusual. But they lived by a dairy farm. Kind of different. And one night they hopped into the dairy farm. And they hopped into a, a barrel. And the barrel was full of warm, beautiful milk. And they were so elated. They had never tasted something so delectfully tasteful. So they they drank and drank until their little frog bellies were full. Now, there were two frogs, remember I told you, they were, and they were brothers. So one brother said to the other brother at this point, well, it's time to go home. And then they, the first brothers tried to crawl out. And the sides of the bear was too slippery and there was nothing for the frog to perch himself on to jump out or jump to or jump from. So they struggled and struggled and struggled. So the one brother who's a pessimist said to his other brother, we're going to die. We're going to die in here. It's, it's, it's we're, 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 we're not going to get a miracle. We're going to die. And the one brother says, who is more of a optimist, well, maybe we'll get a miracle. And the other brother says to him, there is no miracle that are going to happen in a frog's life. Has somebody ever told you that? There's no miracles that are going to happen in your life. All the miracles are done. They're all used up. So the one frog who thought there were no miracles decided that he would quit. He did swim around for another hour. And so he he said, brother, you might as well face toward, let your gaze go toward where we live, the swamp, so we can remember the good times as we die. And he turned on his back and the other brother said, no, no, don't die. Don't do it. And he turned on his back. And then a few minutes later, he disappeared from the top of the water. I'm sorry, of the milk. And then the other brother, he began to he began to uh, paddle frantically, uh, probably from adrenaline, the adrenaline of just losing his brother, the adrenaline of perhaps realizing that his life is doomed. Perhaps what his brother was telling him is true. There is no miracles in a frog's life. So just at the end of his rope, have you ever felt like you're at the end of the rope? Just at the end of his rope, 
he decides to give up and cast his eyes towards the swamp. So he puts his foot back as he turns on his back. And when he goes to put his foot down, he hits something hard. He was like, oh, what's this? And he put his another foot down. He hit something else hard. And he realized he was standing on a solid rock of cream. All that swimming and swimming. It seemed like it led to nothing. All that struggle in the darkness. It seemed like it led to nothing. But from that struggle, he built his victory. He was able to crawl out. I, I really like that story because it talks about persistence. You keep on going. Number four, when you're dealing with God, you got to expect change. You got to expect to go through changes because God is a God of growth. He's a God of creation. You, when you think about creation, you think about something that's growing, right? 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 As opposed to death and dying. So things are always changing. If you are going to follow God, you got to be flexible. So number four is just be flexible. That if you're going to follow God, you're going to travel through some area. Now, <laughs> my pastor calls it some area, but in the Bible, it was called Samaria. <laughs> and the Jews didn't like to go through Samaria. They found the Sumerians to be, um, I guess they were mixed people. They worshipped other gods and they just found them to be abominable people. They didn't want to have nothing to do with them. And there was no Ubers back then. So it would take a half a day. They would have to walk around some area. They refused to walk through. And Jesus walked right through with his protesting disciples. <laughs> and he walked right up to a well. So here Jesus was some area where he had supposedly no business talking to a woman. At the well, he wasn't supposed to be talking to a woman because he was a rabbi. She was at the well in the middle of the day, which means she was a nerdy well. She was a bad girl, a woman of bad repute. <laughs> okay, and Jesus was talking to her. So sometimes God would take you through some areas and you'll learn the most in those some areas. Number five. You need to put a date on it, okay? You got to put a date where you want to accomplish whatever goal you have in mind, where the goal the Holy Spirit has put on your heart. Someday is not a day on the calendar. Let's see, my calendar, let me see, it's got Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then it goes Sunday. So where does someday go into the calendar? Some people say, oh, sometime in the future. Okay, there's one o'clock, two o'clock, all the way to 12 o'clock. What time is sometime o'clock on the clock? You see, when we say this, we actually give us an exit stage left method, and we're not serious we haven't we we're not going to do what it takes. We're just gonna put it off to that 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 elusive someday sometime in the future. So you gotta put a date on it now, back to Galatians uh six nine that's important. Remember that God acknowledges in this verse that you will become weary and, and tired. He acknowledges that. He recognizes that. But he also promises that if we keep on going and do time, one translation says, 
in the proper time. I don't know when the proper time is. I don't know when due time is. You guys, if I do that, I'd be a billionaire. <laughs> when God, when, how, when, when, when. <laughs> we ask when. In due time, in the proper time, you will reap a good harvest. Your ship will come in. Once you give these strategies a try, you've already tried yours. So once you try these, and you will soon discover that there is an amazing treasure that perseverance has for you. God bless. Until next time, signing off, Dr. D. My hope is that this journey has been fruitful and you're able to take it and apply it to your life. Until next time, tune in again for the Prisoners of Hope podcast. God bless.